wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to PQ&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Ricardo, minister to the Prospect International and Elizabeth Seventh-day Adventist Churches, right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. And I'm always thankful for the opportunity that God gives us to share His Word with you today. So wherever you're listening from, dear friends, may the words of God from the Bible be a blessing to you. The overall theme that we are unpacking this week is prophecy, the Bible, and Nostradamus. So yesterday we looked at some of the reasons why we shouldn't trust the so-called prophecies of Nostradamus. And today the big question to be answered is, how reliable is biblical prophecy? So I have my friend Pastor Marty with me in the studio to help us answer that question. And as you all know, I'm sure pa- uh, Marty is the pastor of Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Church and Grace Adventist Center. And I had a, I had the privilege of um, visiting Grace Adventist Center last Saturday. Welcome, Marty. How are you today? Pastor Ricardo, it's a wonderful blessing to be here this afternoon. And, and I've just got to say... Um, Everyone at Grace was just so blessed by your visit. (laughs) It was a really high Sabbath preaching on the subject of revival. Mm. And so um, the folk there just really, really enjoyed those messages. Oh, praise the Lord. So good to hear. It was wonderful seeing new faces and meeting some people that I haven't seen in in a while. So thanks for um, the opportunity. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. That'll be good. <laughs> you can visit our church as well, please. Wonderful. Um, yeah, so good to visit. Um, it's like visiting family, really. Uh, having It's like having family everywhere you go in the world, you know, meeting new Christians. It's such a, such a blessing. Um, so, dear friends, today I would like to share with you uh, another article that I read. This is uh, from Associated Press. Um, a bit lengthy, but I think it's uh, it's important for us to to see what's happening in the world. Uh, published in uh, on February fifteenth, two thousand and twenty-four, the title is "Every Week is World Interfaith Harmony Week for Devotees of Swami Vivekananda." At a Sunday morning service on Sunday, February fourth, a priest gave a sermon. A choir sang devotional hymns and a congregation bowed heads in a joint prayer. It was a typical Sunday for these faithful New Yorkers. Yet, rather than a church, this service took place at a spiritual home uh, meant for uh, believers under any name, from Christians to Hindus to self-professed truth seekers. The Ramakrishna Vivekananda Center of New York is the gathering place for devotees of his philosophy, which accepts every faith as a valid means for its own followers to realize the truth. Images of Buddha, Mary and Jesus, and Hindu gods covered the walls of the center's chapel room, which was started in 1933 by Swami Nikilananda as a Vedanta temple for universal worship. On this special service for Vivekananda's birthday, 
who lived from 1863 till 1902, according to the Hindu calendar, Yuktat Mananda was giving a talk about Vivekananda's views on religion. His three most productive years were spent in the United States, sharing philosophies in English with the Western world, translating the language of angels to the language of man, said Yuktat Mananda about Vivekananda's. This is almost like a tongue twister for me. We are here as a result of his selfless labor, he added. He has promised to be with us until the whole world knows it is one with God. To the devotees at this spiritual sanctuary, the world religions are separated only by rituals, dogmas, books and doctrines, which are, according to them, secondary, non-essential details, um, according to the teachings of Vivekananda. To him, says Yuktat Manandas, uh, the essence of religion is manifesting one's own innate divine nature, whether it be through Prophet Muhammad, Jesus Christ, or Lord Krishna. True interfaith harmony, said Vivekananda, is acceptance, not mere tolerance, and seeing both God as oneself in every person. On World Interfaith Harmony Week, this evergreen message especially resonates with the long-time devotees of the center. And I'm just going to mention, because the article is, is long, I'm just going to read um, some of the comments or testimonies of these devotees or followers of this um, center. Bansal, for example, originally from India, says he was praised for bringing the most amount of people to the center from other faiths and cultures. He notes uh, it can be difficult for many, especially those raised in other faith traditions, to grasp such abstract concepts of spirituality, such as worshipping the, listen carefully, the inner light that shines inside everyone. So this is... This is promoting uh, worshiping a God inside yourself. So look, look, looking for divinity inside yourself rather than outside of you. These are all ideas and concepts, but you have to genuinely feel that, yes, Mohammed is also God, said Bansal. How does that happen? That happens when you see God within yourself. The point is how you feel within and how your heart and mind rushes toward God, he added. But as you can see, dear listeners, this is um, um, encouraging us to find a God within ourselves. Another example, Diana Cooper, a, a retired nurse, found the, found the center after walking past it one day. A cradle Catholic, Cooper was seeking more, traveling through Jainism, uh, to reach the Vedanta tradition, which she calls the real deal. There are other God, sorry, there are other God men, she says. It's not just Ramakrishna. It's not just Buddha. It's not just Christ. Many come at different times, she said. Cooper agrees with Bansal that where and when someone was raised has a, has the highest impact on their beliefs. But it is up to us, she says, to eliminate the us versus them 
mentality uh, between religious groups and start to see each person's journey as leading to the same God. So it doesn't matter what your journey is, it, it's, it's all leading to God, the same God. Another um, person here, another devotee of this movement or center, uh, Mansi Meta. For Mansi, the path to Vivekananda was forged at age seven. A singer in the choir and humanitarian worker, 36-year-old Meta says, no matter what path we are on, whether it's an actual religion or our own path, at the end of the day, it's supposed to lead to the same goal. There's no right or wrong religion. It's just a belief, and it's a feeling within ourselves, he says. As the service ended with a prayer, salutations were given to all the prophets of the past and the future, and the choir sang a rendition of Vivekananda's uh, follower, George Harrison, My Sweet Lord, just replacing the lyric Hallelujah with the words Ramakrishna. <laughs> the article goes on, but see how they claim, dear listeners uh, and Marty here, um, they claim that it doesn't matter what you believe in, it doesn't matter uh, what is your truth, uh, because apparently, according to them, the truth is just a relative thing. Uh, it it all takes us to God, and it really there's no it, uh, what I, what it says here. There's no right or wrong religion, but when you read the Bible, John fourteen six, doesn't it say there? Uh, Jesus, in his own words, he said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." That sounds to me very very exclusive. Yet these people are saying the opposite. And a lot of people are falling for this. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you do. You will be saved at the end. Have yeah, you heard it, that? Absolutely. I've heard this. I, I've heard this just recently um, on the plane back from Perth, mm-hmm. back here to Adelaide, had a conversation with a gentleman, and it was very much along these lines. It was very much along the line of, as long as your belief works for you, that's great. Mm-hmm. But don't try and share your belief with anybody else because because as if as if somebody else's, you know, belief is is better than somebody else's. And I wonder how far this really gets taken because it doesn't take long you start looking into scripture. Mm-hmm. And we look at the fact that the Bible describes that there is good and evil. Would we apply the same rule to to Satan worshippers? Would we apply the same mm-hmm. rule to those who, in the past, actually were were, were pagan worshippers? And a part of that pagan worship involved things like witchcraft, communicating with the dead, mm-hmm. child sacrifice. You know, yes, totally evil, evil, to evil kind of, you know. Um, evil kind of sexual activities, mm. all of these things were bound up in in these religions. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that, that hey, we just embrace everything, really to me is is also opening the door to to many to many evil evils. And I think w- when I look at scripture, there is one truth 
But the devil has many, many counterfeits. And so Jesus, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. So, and then the Bible, Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word Word. is truth. Mm. And the Bible says the truth will set you free. Mm. And so this idea that, well, doesn't matter what what is truth. It's as long as your belief works for you, yes, and my belief works for me. That's all that that really matters. But wh- mm. how far do we take that? That's do we say dangerous. it's okay to embrace a religious belief that could endanger our children? Mm. Do we think that it's okay because some people take radical have have very radical beliefs where they believe that they can kill others in the name of God yes. mm. and that that is that's a good thing you know is this i mean i suppose in some ways yeah yeah to me this is just taking it way too far it, what concerns me is to see the number of christians who are accepting this belief that it doesn't matter what you do what religion you have, you can be saved in Jesus, you can be saved in Buddha, you can be saved in Muhammad. How can you take the Bible then and read um, Acts 4.12 where it says, there is only one name given under heaven to men in which we can be saved, the name of Jesus. So if you want to take this uh, Vivekananda's belief, Mm. which is anti-biblical, you would have to do away with the Bible in if you want to be honest. Absolutely, you can't have you you, have the two at the same time. You can't have a biblical faith and and embrace the idea that every single religion is um, equally valid. You mm. can't do that. Um, the Bible certainly shows shows a picture of a God who who is a God of love mm. who gave His only begotten Son, and to say that. It's, you know, the equivalent um, of every other faith is just not true. The, 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 there is truth to this idea, and I think this is where the confusion comes. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that we should love all people. Correct. And we shouldn't force our beliefs on anybody. Everybody should have a freedom to choose what they believe and, and, uh, and, should, and should be respected. But that's a different mindset than saying every belief that exists is correct and is valid Mm. because there are some dangerous beliefs out there. And if you embrace those dangerous beliefs, your beliefs affect your behavior and we end up in in trouble. Mm. And I think we see an example of that with with um, with the extremist type religions. And we certainly see an example of this as well in right throughout scripture where we see paganism, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who says, Marty, whatever you believe, it doesn't really matter, that is, to me, I just can't accept that. I just have to say, I, I, I have to agree to disagree mm-hmm. on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we respect people's ideas, but we need yes. to be careful. You know, and Ricardo, the thing is, it's actually okay to disagree, Mm-hmm. Why do we live in a world where we think, hey, don't, don't disagree. Don't try and tell me that I'm wrong. What, what are we thinking? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine applying that same principle to raising children where you never actually corrected anything that they did. Mm-hmm. 
you just always accepted and said, okay, well, you do what you want to do and you believe what you want to believe and mm. and there's no, and okay, yep, hit your brother, hit your sister, you know, whatever. <laughs> if that works um, for you. <laughs> you know, hey, that's my uh, belief system. You know, that's just crazy. Chaotic. It's chaotic. Uh. And the reality is it's actually okay to disagree. There's nothing wrong with disagreeing. You can do it in a respectful way. You know, we can, you can share an idea and I can say, um, Ricardo, I see it differently. Mm-hmm. And that's actually okay. So we can disagree. Yes. We don't have to be disagreeable. Right. Right. So we can still be respectful and disagree. And I think this is where this whole thing just falls apart. Mm-hmm. It's not about just you know, like true unity, true acceptance. Mm-hmm is actually being able to say, hey, I disagree with what you believe, Mm -hmm. but I still love you and respect you, Mm -hmm. even though I don't think that your beliefs are are actually solid or make a lot of sense. Like, you can still disagree. And that's where we draw the line, because if we cross that line, then we are saying that everyone's beliefs are correct. And that goes against the Bible. Absolutely. So, let's be careful with this teaching, huh? Yes. Okay, time for a break. Let's listen to a song. It's called Midnight Cry by The Remnant. Shall rise to 
Midnight Cry, When Jesus Comes Again. That was the remnant. Beautiful song. Helps us to, uh, to see beyond what we see now into the future. Okay, we have a giveaway for this week, and this is the book Four Winds of Revelation by Kenneth Cox, Pastor Kenneth Cox. You cannot turn on your TV or open your internet browser without the next catastrophe hitting you in the face, right? The toll taken by natural disasters, flooding, fires, drought, tornadoes, and more grows worse each year. The world is coming apart. More than 2,000 years ago, the Bible predicted that all of this would happen. If the Bible was right about this, then what did it say would happen next? In this book, Four Winds of Revelation, Pastor Kenneth Cox examines what the Bible says about the crisis that we are facing and shares what it tells us about the future. Should you be afraid? The Bible offers hope, which is the soon return of Jesus Christ. If you would like a free copy of this book, please stick around because I'm going to give you a code for you to claim this free giveaway. Well, it's a giveaway. It's free. And um, all you need to do is text the code that I will give you uh, to the number 04888-80811. Also, as I always remind you, dear listeners, you can text that number with your questions, your feedback, um, anything, maybe a prayer request. We, we, we will be happy to get back in touch with you. So don't forget, stick around. The book is The Four Winds of Revelation by Kenneth Cox. I'll give you the code very soon. So stick around and um, you'll get a free copy of this book. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM, Drive Time, Big Q&A, right across Australia with Pastor Ricardo. My co-host today is Pastor Marty, and he's the pastor of Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Church and Grace Adventist Center right here in Adelaide. This week we're following the theme, Prophecy, the Bible, and Nostradamus. And the big question we are dealing with today is, how reliable is biblical prophecy? So, Marty, how much can we rely on Bible prophecy, really? Is it trustworthy? You'd have to put it to the test. The only way you can know if something is trustworthy is you have to put it to the test. That's right. You can't arrive at truth just by popular opinion um, because everybody else says that it's right. That, do that doesn't reveal what's true. Mm. Truth can only be discovered through honest investigation. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we want to do today as we come to Scripture. We want to honestly investigate and say, does the Bible hold true? I like that. Does, mm. does, were the prophets accurate? Because many people say, look, I believe in the Bible, but can we actually defend our belief in the Bible? Mm. Can we give a reason, as the Bible says, we should be able to give a reason for the hope? That is in us. Mm -hmm. And so, so the way that we can do that is to test it. Now, certainly it's interesting that we're talking about Nostradamus and I remember doing a little mm -hmm. bit of reading about him a, a, a couple of years ago and, and, um, in, uh, in a book by Pastor Mark Finley, mm -hmm. 
called The Next Superpower. It's a brilliant right. book. Yes. And it talks about Nostradamus. And, um, it, it gave a, it gave a, um, a modern interpretation of one of his most famous prophecies. Now, for those who, who are listening today, and you may be, I mean, Nostradamus is, is, is pretty well known, but, you know, I didn't know a lot about him. But basically, in the 16th century, he, there was a French psychic who claimed to be able to tell the future as he sat on top of a brass tripod. And his name was Nostradamus. And he literally made thousands of predictions. And so here's a modern interpretation of one of his most famous prophecies. It stated that in early 1999 or the year 2000, here's what it says, and I'm quoting, clashes among racial, ethnic, and nationalist groups in Eastern Europe climax with the use of nuclear weapons. Millions are not only feared dead, they are dead. What used to be considered European civilization is an increasingly distant memory. Mm-hmm. So did it happen? Mm-hmm. Not even close. Clearly, the prophecy of Nostradamus failed to come to pass. Mm-hmm. But people forget the predictions of the past and they still publish today Nostradamus's predictions for 2024 and there's various things that they say that Nostradamus predicted for this year but they forget that what he predicted previously didn't come to pass Mm -hmm. so what makes you think that what he's predicting now is going to come to pass you see if someone is a true prophet if they actually can reveal the future then they have to get it right 100% of the time Mm mm-hmm you know, it can't just be 20% of the time or 30% no. of the time. And it has to be specific. It has to be very specific so that it can't be, you know, it, it can't, there's no doubt that's right. whether what they've said has happened or not. And that's because um, the revelations that true prophets share come from God. That's why they always, they're always accurate. Absolutely. God is the only one, according to the book of Isaiah, who can reveal the future. God says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. And so, in Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, God uniquely can reveal the future. Nobody else can do it. I mean, I, I remember looking up um, some research on psychics here in Australia, and it was interesting. They they looked at, they tracked um, the predictions of the Australian psychics over about twenty years, and they found that they had an average uh, accuracy rate r- worse than a random group of people who just guessed randomly. <laughs> you know, and, and so and so the message is that. Knowing the future is impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, many years, it was years ago now, but I think the advice that was given to Henry T. Ford many years ago was, hey, 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 uh, don't worry about the yes. motormobile. The horse and the carriage are here to mm-hmm. stay. <laughs> right? You know, this was the advice given You're to right, Henry right, Ford. Right. And of course, they were way off. Um, 
I think it was the president of the IBM, um, you know, uh, technology and computers, mm-hmm. believed that there was probably a world market for maybe five computers. <laughs> and man, look at the world today. So yeah. we're not good at predicting the future. Not predicting at all. the future is incredible. Well, it's impossible from a human point of view. And that's why God says, here's how you can test whether what I'm saying is true. I claim to be able to reveal the future. And if that is true, Pastor Ricardo, if God has actually revealed the future in the Bible, that would mean that this book has power, mm-hmm. has authority, and it is in reality the word of God. We can trust right. it. We can trust what God says in his word. So we're not to believe everything without testing it. It's not a blind faith that God is asking asking us to have, but some faith as a result of an experience with him. Absolutely. Faith is always built on evidence. Mm. Now, faith doesn't mean that we have all the answers and that we know everything, but we have enough evidence. God gives us enough evidence so that we can learn to trust in him. And so, in the Bible, there are many, many prophecies. Mm -hmm. And uh, today, we're just going to look at one, but it's an incredible prophecy recorded in the book of Daniel. Mm. And this prophecy is perhaps one of the foundational prophecies of all the great time prophecies in the Bible, from the books of Daniel and Revelation. And so, we're going to come to the book of Daniel chapter 2, and we'll just set a bit of the context here because we're we're really wanting to understand the question, can we trust the Bible? Mm-hmm. Is Bible prophecy accurate? Or is it just like the prophecies of others mm. that have misled and given false hope and, um, and in some cases uh, false fear and false apprehension yes. to, to millions of people? And that's the reality. Many so-called prophets have simply left their followers in a state of confusion. Mm. And just to add something here. In Matthew 24, when Jesus was asked about the signs or, well, the specific things that would happen around the time of his second coming, the thing that he repeated the most was false prophets, false mm. teachers, false Christs. Deception. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, Jesus envisioned many false prophets in the end times. And so that shouldn't surprise us That's right. when there are many who claim to be able to predict the future, but in reality can't. And so we come to, um, you know, and, and Pastor Ricardo, this is so important because so many people are feeling a sense of uncertainty mm. and stress and worry about where our world is headed. And so we need to find something that we can rely on. We need to find solid answers. So this prophecy we're looking at in Daniel 2, it's two and a half thousand years old. And to set the scene, it's the year 603 Mm. BC, and the Babylonian Empire dominates Mesopotamia. And King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. He's recently conquered Jerusalem in 605 BC, and he's taken Jewish captives 2,700 kilometers back to Babylon to serve in his kingdom. And among these captives is Daniel... And his three friends. They've taken away from their homeland, and but they make a, a commitment to be faithful to God. 
while they are in Babylon. And, um, and so they come to, to, to Babylon. The Bible tells us in Daniel 1 that they are put to, they are put into a group where they're actually trained. They are trained to be wise men in Babylon and they become wise men in Babylon. And so then you come to Daniel chapter 2. And so here, and, and we're just reading straight from the Bible, and it says, Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Mm-hmm. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. Mm, Convenient. Right? So, hey, king, okay, tell us what you dreamt, and we'll tell you what it means. But notice what the king says. The king answered and said to them, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you can tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. So this is how this is how dictators motivate mm-hmm. their subjects. If you can if you can do what I say, I'll reward you, and if you can't, you'll be punished. Mm. And that's often the way that we're motivated in life, yes, isn't it? By rewards or punishment, mm-hmm. there's a far greater way to live our lives. And that there's same, a far deeper motivation. This same government style was carried down through the centuries. Even Saddam Hussein yeah. acted the same way as his predecessor. And so the king, obviously, Pastor Ricardo, he, he Nebuchadnezzar wanted to know the dream. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that the Bible indicates when it says I, that he was anxious to know the dream, it would actually indicate that he'd forgotten what he dreamt. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't tell the wise men what he dreamt. Mm-hmm. So he said, you've got to tell me what I dreamt, and then I'll know that you can tell me the correct interpretation. Mm-hmm. The story continues that they argue with the king, essentially, and they say, King, this is impossible what you're requesting. Mm-hmm. No one can do this. And so the king orders for them to be executed. By this stage, um, Daniel and his three friends are part of this elite group of the wise men, but they weren't there in this initial interview with the king. So Daniel gets a knock on his door. This is all recorded in the book of Daniel chapter 2. Daniel gets a knock on his door, and it's Arioch. Mm-hmm. Arioch, the commander of the... He's the captain of the king's guard. And Arioch basically says, Daniel, I'm here to kill you. And Daniel says, what's happened? Why is the decree of the king so urgent? At least give me an explanation. What's coming <laughs> on here, right? Yes. So, and, and so he requests for time. Mm-hmm. And the king grants Daniel extra time. Mm-hmm. And Daniel prays with his three friends. Mm. And I tell you, I just want to say on this point, prayer is a powerful, oh, yes. powerful um, blessing that God mm-hmm. has given to each of us. Mm-hmm. Whatever crisis you're facing today, mm-hmm. you can come to God in prayer. Daniel and his three friends were facing death, mm-hmm. 
they came to God in prayer. God answered their prayer. God delivered them from that from that crisis. And no matter what crisis we are facing, if we come to God with a with a sincere heart, we say, "Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know who else to turn to. I'm coming to you, Lord." That's and we amazing. come to God. And it's a beautiful. There's a saying that because Daniel, after this prayer, comes and stands before the king, mm. the most powerful monarch in mm. the entire world at that time. And Daniel, who is Daniel? He's a captive, essentially, yes. who has climbed the ranks and, and now mm. is part of the wise men. But essentially, he is a Jewish captive in Babylon. Mm. And here he is about to stand before the most powerful man in the world. Mm. And he is totally at peace. He is total confidence. Well, not only that, uh, the story says that God revealed the secret to Daniel in a vision, in right. a dream. Um, I mean, if you were told that you are going to be killed, right, would you be able to sleep? <laughs> Good point. I don't know how they made it, but they trusted God so much that after they prayed, they slept. even though they had no solutions yet, they were able to sleep. And that amazes me. That That's is true faith, faith isn't it? Mm. True faith, being able to have peace. Mm-hmm. That God, we place the situation in your hands. Mm. There's a saying that prayer doesn't bring God down to us, but it brings us up mm. to him. True. When you're struggling and you pray, don't focus on your problem. Focus on God. Focus on his solution. Yes. Focus on the fact that he's trustworthy. If you don't have the words to speak and you're like, I don't even know how to pray, pick up your Bible and turn to the book of Psalms. It's right in the middle of the Bible. It starts with P, P-S-A-L-M-S. I don't know if I spelled that right, but, you know, it starts with P. If you're not yes. familiar with Scripture, the book of Psalms is a whole book of prayers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're not sure how to pray, and you go to that book, and you you, you, you read that prayer, and you make it your own. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and Daniel does, you know, Daniel pours out his heart to God. He prays with his friends. And the good news is that when you kneel before God, you can stand before kings. Wow. Daniel knelt before God now that he stands before the king. God reveals, had revealed the vision, the dream to Daniel in a night vision. And now he tells the king exactly what he dreamt, and perhaps we can come to that straight after. Yeah, I think that's a good point to, to, to have a break because what's coming next is amazing. Let's come to some music. This is Pillars of Our Faith Choir, and the song is Beautiful Zion.
And that was the Pillars of Our Faith Choir with Beautiful Zion. What a beautiful song as well. Dear friends, our giveaway this week is the book Four Winds of Revelation by Pastor Kenneth Cox. You cannot turn on your TV or open your internet browser without the next catastrophe hitting you in the face. Uh, the toll taken by natural disasters, flooding, fires, drought, tornadoes, and more grows worse each day. The world is coming apart, it seems. More than, uh, two, more than 2,000 years ago, the Bible predicted that all of this would happen. If you read Matthew 24, for example, that's all the predictions of Jesus. If the Bible was right about this, then what did it say would happen next? Would you like to know? Then in the book Four Winds of Revelation, Pastor Kenneth Cox examines what the Bible says about the crisis that we are facing and shares what it tells us about the future. Should you be afraid? The Bible offers hope, which is the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Now I'll give you the code. The code to get this giveaway is SA204. No spaces in between. SA204. Text that on 04888808811. And again, please use that number as many times as you, as you like to send us your feedback or prayer requests, questions at any time. I'll repeat the code once again. It's SA204, no spaces between those digits. You'll get a free copy of the Four Winds of Revelation. May God bless you with that as well as you read it. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back, dear friends. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A. This is Pastor Ricardo, your host for today, and joining me in the studio, I have Pastor Marty. He is the pastor of Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Church and also Grace Adventist Center here in Adelaide. The theme for this week is prophecy, the Bible, and Nostradamus. We've been looking at those things, and it's so interesting to see how accurate and reliable the Bible is, which is uh, partly the question that we are dealing with today. How reliable is biblical prophecy? Um, can't wait to hear the next part of the study, Marty. You were mentioning that D uh, Daniel was actually able to tell the king what he had dreamt. Absolutely. Mm. King Nebuchadnezzar, ancient Babylon, has a dream. None of his wise men can tell him the dream, but Daniel prays with his friends and God reveals the dream to Daniel. Now he stands before the king and he tells the king what he dreamt and he says, this is in the book of Daniel chapter 2 and verse 31, you, O king, were watching and behold a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you. Its form was awesome. The image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. Then Daniel describes a rock that hits the image on the feet mm. and destroys it. As Daniel is sharing this, I imagine that King Nebuchadnezzar is sitting on the edge of his throne For sure. and saying, this is incredible. This is what I dreamt. Mm -hmm. Daniel then says to the king, this 
is the dream. He doesn't say, was that the dream? Did I get it right? <laughs> yes, no. Yes, God yes. revealed it to him, and so he says, uh-huh. this is so the dream. He was mm-hmm. confident because God had revealed it to him. Uh-huh. And then he says, now we'll tell the interpretation of it before the king. Oh, yeah, with all authority now. So now he's got the authority, right? Yes. And he says, you, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And he then says, you are this head of gold. And so Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom of Babylon were represented by the head of gold. Mm-hmm. Now, that, isn't, that wasn't a prediction. But this set the stage. You see, many of the prophecies in the Bible begin at the time when the prophet lived and extend through time to the end of time. Mm-hmm. And so it begins with the time of Babylon with King Nebuchadnezzar. Notice the next phrase. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. Here's That's the first prediction. prediction. Mm-hmm. Another kingdom is going to arise. Just like silver, the chest and arms of silver, mm-hmm. comes after the head of gold. Mm-hmm. An inferior kingdom will come after Babylon. Prediction mm. number one. Did this take place? I've got with me in the studio here, Pastor Ricardo, a copy of the National Geographic, The World's Greatest Empires, A History of Power. And all I've got to do to confirm the prophecy is I look at the page on Babylon. It says an eye for an eye. It's got a picture of a lion with an eagle's wing. Mm -hmm. And it's from the Ishtar Gates of Babylon. And as I look at the timeline, it tells me that in 539 BC, Babylon falls to Cyrus the Great of Persia. Mm. Now, history bears out that the Medes and the Persians who conquered Babylon were not as um, not as sophisticated, not as impressive as the Babylonian Empire. They were described as a more rustic type of empire. Mm-hmm. And they didn't overcome Babylon by strength, but by strategy. Mm-hmm. The story is that they diverted the river Euphrates from running, which ran through the city of Babylon. Mm-hmm. And the troops, the Medo-Persian troops, were able to go underneath the city walls, and Babylon was able to be conquered in just one night. Mm. And this is all recorded on an archaeological find called the Cyrus Cylinder. It records how easily Babylon fell Mm. to the Persian and the Mede invaders. (laughs) And so the Bible predicted, Daniel said, after you, king, will Mm. come an inferior kingdom. That happened when Persia, Medo-Persia, conquered Babylon. The prophecy continues another prediction. Then another kingdom will arise, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. Now, historians know that after after Babylon and then it was Medo-Persia, mm-hmm. then it was who conquered Medo-Persia, and I all have to do is flick through my National Geographic <laughs> here, and it tells me that it was none other than Alexander the Great mm-hmm. of Greece. It was the Greeks, or the Greek Empire, that actually conquered the Medes and the Persians. Mm-hmm. Now, this is amazing, because the Bible described this empire as a kingdom of bronze, And the Greeks had bronze helmets, bronze weapons. They used bronze coins in their currency. Mm -hmm. And it was described as a, as a kingdom that would rule the world. And it's, it's recorded that Alexander the Great wept when he, when he realized there was no other great kingdoms to conquer. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> because he conquered the world, the then known world, so rapidly. Only 10 years or so. Now, keep in mind that Daniel writes this down in the 6th century BC, mm. and Bible scholars know that it must have been written in that time because of the the details that are recorded was were not known later on. Mm-hmm. We also have the Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered in 1947, and there was a there was a book. The Book of Daniel was also there as well. Now the mm-hmm. prophecy continues from Babylon to Medo Persia to Greece. Then it says there's going to be a fourth kingdom which would be as strong as iron that would okay. crush crush the others. Mm. And what was that strong iron kingdom? that crushed the Greek Empire, it was none other than the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was the most powerful empire of its day. Jesus died on a Roman cross. Mm -hmm. The Romans conquered and dominated their enemies. But the prophecy becomes even more remarkable. The prophecy then predicts that after this strong Iron Kingdom which was the kingdom of Rome, mm-hmm. it then doesn't predict that another kingdom and then another kingdom. No, mm. it actually now predicts that the empire would become divided. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that just as you saw the feet of iron and clay, mm. that this kingdom, this kingdom of iron, would become divided. History bears this out. Rome was not conquered by another large empire that conquered Rome. No, Rome, the Roman Empire, which covered all of Europe and at even North Africa and over into, I suppose, the western side of Asia, it was carved up Mm. into much smaller empires that we now see in modern-day Europe, Mm -hmm. England, um, Germany, uh, France, Switzerland, Italy, Etc. These, all of these nations were once all one nation. They were all part of the Roman Empire. But the Bible predicted that they would be carved up, divided into um, smaller empires. And we've seen that that has taken place. Exactly as the Bible said. The Bible then goes on to say that there would be attempts to unite. These empires, have we seen that happen? Oh, many times. Napoleon wanted one one nation in Europe. Mm-hmm. Hitler wanted one nation in Europe. Charlemagne wanted one nation in Europe. Many have tried to reunite Europe, but they have failed because the predictions also say that these empires would remain divided. Hmm. So far, so good. Every prediction that we've looked at in Daniel 2 has come to pass. Every prediction. There is one prediction left. Mm -hmm. And that prediction is that this stone is going to smash the image on the feet. Now, that would represent, what does this represent? Daniel tells us, says, in the days of these kings, in the days of divided Europe, the times in which we're living today, the God of heaven is going to establish a kingdom that will never pass away. Mm -hmm. And the kingdoms of this world will be destroyed And Christ will come, and he will establish his eternal kingdom. And when I share this as I'm sharing scripture with with my friends, Mm. I say six out of the seven predictions have already come true. There's seven predictions Mm. here. Six out of the seven have already come true. Yes. What do you think the chances are that the seventh Uh, will also come true? It will happen. It will happen. It's guaranteed, isn't it? It Jesus is, is will come. Very reliable. God will establish his eternal kingdom on this world. Mm-hmm. A kingdom so different to the kingdoms of this world that are based mm. on greed and selfishness and power. God's kingdom. Mm. 
mm-hmm. will be based on truth and peace Amen. and righteousness. Wow, this is a what a day that will be. It has been, as you have, have shown, uh, confirmed by history already. And so there's nothing uh, for us to... Uh, to make us th- make make us think that the what is remaining will not be fulfilled. So, dear listeners, um, really, there's only two options: the metals or the stone. Um, would you like to belong to the metals or the kingdom? The kingdom of the stone, the kingdom of Jesus. The choice is ours. Unfortunately, it looks like our time's up for today. Let's let's pray where we are. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for showing us that you know the future accurately. The Bible prophecies are reliable because they come from you. And we've been shown that eventually you will establish your kingdom, which will never be destroyed. We would like to belong to that kingdom. We give our lives to you, Lord, today, right now. Continue to guide us until you come to pick us up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, This was Pastor Ricardo and Pastor Marty. Please join us tomorrow for another Drive Time Big Q&A show because we will talk about how specific and accurate Bible prophecy is. Until then, remember that God says, I am God and there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. May God bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.